Not to us, O Lord, but to you be all the glory. There is no one higher, no one whose love is bigger, no one who is greater and worthy of praise. Lord, you command big things. Enable what you command. For your glory we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Please turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Yesterday we looked at Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel. Yahweh our God, Yahweh is one. Jesus quotes it in Mark chapter 12 where he says it's the most important commandment and today we're going to look at the second half of that most important commandment, Deuteronomy 6.5. And you shall love Yahweh your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Some have called this the all command. It shows up three times. All your heart, all your soul, all your might. The use of this little word doesn't allow for split affections. It doesn't allow for divided allegiance. God calls for it all. Love me with all. So if indeed there is one God who stands, as we heard yesterday, supremely powerful. One God who stands supremely valuable. This demands a supreme and total loyalty on our part. A loyalty from you, a loyalty from me, and it will start from within. The message today seeks to answer two questions. Here they are. So if you're taking notes, here are the two questions we want to answer. It's the two parts of the sermon. Number one, what does it mean to love God with all? All our heart, all of our soul, and all of our might. Number two, what do I do if I find that I'm not loving God like I should be? So keep your nose in the book. Look with me. Deuteronomy 6.5. Love God with all your heart. Love your God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all your might. In Deuteronomy, love is very central to everything Moses has to say. It's serious, love. It's something that can be commanded, strikingly. Turn over just a couple pages to Deuteronomy chapter 7. We'll see how serious this loving our God is. Deuteronomy 7, verses 9 and 10. Know therefore today that Yahweh your God is God, a faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. But he repays to their face those who hate him by destroying them. There's a lot at stake when it comes to loving God, brothers and sisters. 
He will not be slack with the one who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Loving God, that is, loving Jesus. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. So to love the Father is to love Jesus. To love Yahweh is to love Jesus. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. So why would we choose death and choose to run away from him? Love me. This is a good commandment. It's not a bad one. It's not designed to burden us. God is giving us the only commandment that can let us live. Love me. That's our God. Love him with all your heart. For some, this call may be a little bit strange. Because you grew up in churches just like I did that said the Old Testament only talks about outside things, but the New Testament, that's about the heart. Not so. Right here, Deuteronomy 6.5, love God with all your heart. Throughout the whole Bible, a relationship with God starts from the inside and then moves outward. Otherwise, there's no relationship with God at all. Look back at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 39 to 40. Deuteronomy 4, 39 to 40. Know therefore today and lay it to heart. Get it inside that your God, that Yahweh your God in heaven is God, in heaven above and on the earth beneath, there is no other. Therefore you shall keep his statutes and his commandments. Did you get that? Moses charges, get these truths about the oneness of God, the supremacy of God overall, get these truths inside, and once they get within, all of a sudden, they will generate a new kind of living on the outside. Now look back at our passage. In Deuteronomy 6, verse 6, right after it says, love God with all, Moses says, these words that I command you today shall be where? On your heart. The words of God shall be on your heart. Now this should make us think of something that we're more familiar with. Jeremiah 31, 33, where it says, In the new covenant day, I will take my law and I will put it on your heart. God called the old covenant community to love him from the inside. And Jesus' use of this passage tells us that nothing's changed. We, in this room, are to have our desires, our will, our motivations, our affections, and even our thoughts. In the Old Testament, heart equals thoughts as well. Everything inside is to be screaming, My God is Yahweh. Yahweh is one. I love Him. Everything internal. Loving our God with all of our heart gives rise to loving him with our soul and with our might. What exactly does that mean? A very popular opinion has been that heart, soul, and might are three different parts of who we are as a person. So if you envision a circle, there's three different circles within it. One commentator, for example, said, The heart-soul distinction is between mental and emotional energy and activity, whereas might has to do with self-discipline. 
But that commentator failed to look how Moses uses these terms elsewhere in the Pentateuch. And as we're going to see tomorrow, when we look at verses 6 through 9, it doesn't take into account the context. We want to know what Moses thought these words meant. Because his meaning is what matters to us. So love God with our soul. There's places in the Bible where soul is equal to spirit, but not in the Pentateuch. In the Pentateuch, the soul stands for who we are as a whole person, as an entire living being. First time soul shows up is in Genesis 2-7. You're familiar with the passage. Here's how it goes. Yahweh your God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature or soul. So he's got a body and now the spirit of God or the spirit of God, uh, the breath of God fills him up and all of a sudden he's alive and what he's called is a living soul, a living creature. Elsewhere, corpses are called dead souls. That is, they used to be people who were alive and now they're dead. And God, even in Leviticus 26, 11 says, I will make my dwelling with you and my soul, that is my being, will not abhor you. A soul is who we are as a whole person. It includes our heart, but it's bigger than that. To love God with our soul, picture now a little circle. That's the inside of us. That's the heart. But it's also part of the soul. The soul includes the heart, but it's bigger than the heart. So we're to love God with all of our passions, with all of our hungers, with all of our thoughts. But loving God with our soul also means we're going to love him with how we talk. We're going to love him with what we touch. We're going to love him with how we respond to challenges and how we use our talents. Loving God with all of our soul means we're going to love him with our whole person inside and out. Loving God with our might. Now this word is a little more challenging because 298 times in our Hebrew Bibles, this word shows up not as a noun like in our passage, it shows up as an adverb, meaning very. You know this word, Genesis 1.31, God made everything, he created everything and he saw that it was very good. So the word means very, but in our passage it's a noun. Love him with all your veriness. It only shows up as a noun two times in our Bibles. Right here in Deuteronomy 6.5 and the other place is 2 Kings Kings 23.25 where King Josiah is said to have turned to Yahweh with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and all of his might. That's how it's translated. But that's just an echo of our passage, so it doesn't help us get our hands around what this might would mean, what this veriness is. Now the Septuagint translator, the Greek translator of the Septuagint, he said, love God with all your power. The Aramaic translator in the Targums said, love God with all your wealth. Or your resources. 
And both of these may actually be pointing in the same direction. For the strength of a man is not just who he is as a person, but all that he has at his disposal. So think with me here. Moses starts, without question, focusing on calling us to love God with the inside. Then he moves one step bigger. Love God with all that you are. Is it not possible that loving God with our veriness takes that circle one step further to include everything that we have at our disposal, our substance and our resources? This would mean that God isn't just calling us to love God, love him with our muscle. It would mean that he's calling us to love him with everything that we can possibly have to honor him. Loving God would include loving him with our spouse, our children, loving him with our house and our dorm room, loving him with our music and our movies. Loving him with our wardrobe, with our computers, with our time. Love God with all your heart. Love him with all your soul. Love him with everything else, all of your substance. Now that is a lot of all. Covenant love then would mean wholehearted, life-encompassing, community-embracing. Everywhere you go is to be screaming love, allegiance, commitment to our God. Now, if we're on target here, there are big implications. Because what it would mean is that every closet of your life needs to be opened for cleaning And every relationship in your life needs to be impacted by this call to love God. You can't be one person at church and another person on a date. When you use your lips and you talk to your parents, you need to talk to them as wholesomely as you would talk to your pastor. There needs to be authentic love that starts with God-oriented affections, desires, and thoughts that then moves and permeates into our speaking and our behavior and then influences our purchases, our dress, our driving, our media engagement, our friendships. If there is one God supreme over all, then he deserves all. That's a lot of love. Whether eating or singing, jogging or blogging, texting or drawing, love for God is to be operative. Second part of the sermon. What do I do if I'm not there? What's striking is that the audience who heard these words for the first time wasn't there. They heard these calls, love God with your heart, and yet when we read the Old Testament, what do we see? A bunch of people that didn't listen. 
Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, and then we're going to look at 16. Deuteronomy 10, 6, 12, and 16. Deuteronomy 12 begins with a God-oriented call to living for him, growing out of a heart encounter with the living God. And now, Israel, what does Yahweh your God love? Yahweh your God. What does Yahweh your God require of you? But to fear Yahweh your God by walking in all his ways, to love him, to serve Yahweh your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You hear the echo of our passage there. All your heart, all your soul. But now look at verse 16. Circumcise therefore Israel the foreskin of your hearts and be no longer stubborn. All the nations around Israel had foreskin. Israel wasn't supposed to, and because of that, God could use it as a metaphor. What he's saying is there's something around your heart that looks more like the world. There's a hard shell. You're not being willing to let me in. And it needs to be gone. Israel's stubbornness ran deep, so much so that they needed heart surgery. Elsewhere in Deuteronomy, these are the three words that continually show up. Stubborn, rebellious, unbelieving. That's how Moses characterized Israel. How about you? If you're honest with yourself, would you say, yes, I'm stubborn, I'm rebellious, I'm unbelieving? Would the one who's closest to you look into your life and say, honestly, if I'm honest, you've been rebellious against God for years. You hear so many calls to love God with all that you are, and yet they continue to bounce off, having no real impact and creating no real longings within you. You go to Northwestern, there's a banner hanging outside, contagiously Christian, and yet you find yourself continually being drawn to things that are not wholesome and that are not of God. Perhaps it's pornography and masturbation. It grips you. You've battled it for years. Maybe you even got it from your father. He introduced it to you. You want to get out in one level, but you feel enslaved and you feel defeated. Or maybe your challenge is apathy and laziness. Oh yeah, working a little bit harder would be good. It would be better if I had a greater priority in my devotions or a greater priority in my studies or a greater priority in exercise. But to be honest, that's just too much work. Or maybe you're so gripped with a desire to be wanted, a desire to be loved, that you are willing to open up your body to someone else who truly doesn't love you or he wouldn't be touching you now. Or maybe you continue to deny your body the food that it needs And you continue, therefore, to get sicker and sicker as you seek to reach an ideal that you've created in your mind, an unhealthy ideal that is not good for you. 
Or maybe you've been hurt so deeply by the opposite sex that you find yourself being drawn into a relationship with someone of the same sex that is not healthy. I don't know what it may be. But you may be sitting there today saying, I'm not loving God with all that I'm supposed to be loving him. Whatever it may be, the rest of the sermon is for you. We're going to look at two passages. Open up your Bibles to Deuteronomy 29. That's where we're going to start. Right at the end of Deuteronomy is made up of three sermons. The last sermon is in Deuteronomy 29 and 30. We're just going to look at that sermon. Deuteronomy 29, verses 2 through 4. Look with me. You have seen, Israel, all that Yahweh did before your eyes in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all of his servants and to all his land. You saw it all, the great trials that your eyes saw, the signs, those great wonders. But to this day, Yahweh has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. Stubborn, rebellious, unbelieving. Are you like Israel today? Your past is checkered with hearing the words of God and perhaps even seeing the power of God and yet it hasn't changed you today. Israel knew a lot about God but this verse says ultimately they didn't understand. They had seen but in a deeper way they hadn't seen. They had heard but ultimately they remained deaf. Their hearts were hard. Their senses were dull. They had no passion. They had no fire. They had no love. They remained stubborn, rebellious, and unbelieving. They remained undisciplined, impure, and condemned. And they couldn't change it. That's what's so amazing about verse 4. They couldn't change it. Look look back at verse 4. It says, A knowing heart and seeing eyes and hearing ears are gifts of God. Left to themselves, Us, left to ourselves, we will not know, we will not see, we will not hear, we will not love. Because that's the state of our hearts, cold, dark, and distant. And we will continue to delight in what is wrong, delighting in what is evil, unless God comes. If you find yourself not understanding the greatness of God, not seeing and savoring Christ, not hearing his truth in a way that makes you change. Your only hope is God. Lazarus couldn't get himself out of the grave. He was dead, and dead things can't create life. But the one who can showed up. Lazarus, come forth! And the same one who showed up at Lazarus' tomb is here today. Jesus is here today. The one who has all authority in heaven and on earth is here today. 
While God hadn't worked in the hearts of the people, he promised that he would. Turn with me now to Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. Just a few verses later in this sermon, listen to what it says. Yahweh, your God, will circumcise your heart. He'll do the surgery that you can't do. He will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love Yahweh with all your heart and all your soul. This is new covenant hope. And brothers and sisters, we are living in the day of fulfillment. Jesus is here and has the power to heal. Remember Deuteronomy 32, 39 from yesterday? See now that I, even I am he, and there is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. The healing surgeon is in the room today. Today, March 17th, 2010, God can do heart surgery on you. Reorienting your affections, transforming your longings, cleansing your thoughts, bringing purity to your heart once again. There's some of you in this room that feel dirty today and you feel unloved, you feel abused and God wants today to let you know that you are cared for, you can be healed and you are loved. God loves you. Hear that, God loves you and he is here today to bring a healing that you haven't had. Yahweh can make your hungers for purity greater than your hungers for lust. Yahweh can give you self-discipline where it's been absent. Yahweh can replace your tendencies toward anger and bitterness with self-control and patience and love. Yes, love. I can heal. That's what God says. He's all about new creation. The surgeon is here. And if right now you feel your heart being worked on, don't fight it. Or if you long for it to be worked on, pray for it. Repent. Confess your sins. For when we do, he is faithful. Hear that promise. He is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. How many of you long for cleansing today from all unrighteousness? Wholehearted, life-encompassing, community-embracing allegiance. New hungers, new passions, purified desires. It can start today. Prayer team's here today. Do business with God. Now to him who is able, hear that, he is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory, and hear this, with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and authority before all time, now and forevermore. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go in peace.